Hello and welcome to episode 604 of the Two Hosers Photo Show. My name is Alan in Tübingen, Germany. With me, as always, is not Adam today. All right, so here's the plan for the summer. We have crazy schedules, Adam and I. We're both doing some traveling and nothing is going to line up. But I should tell you, one of the things that Adam and I are most proud of is that since we started the show in January of 2011, we have not missed a week. We've produced a new show every single week that is through uh, travel, through work, through having two kids. We, we put a new show out. Sure, easy for me to say. We didn't miss. And we want to continue that through this summer. So what Adam and I decided to do was go back and revisit some of the uh, milestone episodes throughout our 11 and a half year run. So we're going to start right at the beginning. Episode one and two are sort of together. We did like a back in January 22nd, 2011. That's when episode one and two aired at the same time, if I my memory serves. Um, and this one was a quick little intro of who we were, who we are, what we planned on doing, and then we get right into uh, the episode two. So that should, that should lead us to how did this podcast start in the first place? Well, way back in probably the end of 2010, Adam bought a camera. He bought his first DSLR, a Canon XS, just the entry-level model that he picked up, despite having zero idea how to use it. But he, at the time, he really wanted to get some you know, nice photos of his kids. His kids were very young. His son had just been born, I think, and uh, his daughter was a couple years old, and he knew he wanted to get some great photos of, of his kids. And at the time, the uh, iPhone, the cell phone, smartphone cameras weren't great. So he picked one up and didn't know what to do next. And so he asked me. And I'm always happy to, to share whatever tips I can. I'm happy to help people out. But I said, how about instead of that, knowing that Adam was a very accomplished guy, uh, intelligent, would pick things up quickly, I suggested, why don't we do uh, a, an episode, I do a podcast, and we'll do an episode every week where you learn something new and we'll build along and the listener can listen along and, and basically by, you know, be a proxy. To Adam will be a proxy for the listener and people can, can get better. And that was it. He's, he was in. Now, I had no idea how to do a podcast, what, what the plan was going to be. And we figured, honestly, we, we might last 12 weeks. And here we are 11 and a half years later. So uh, I went back and listened to the beginning, listened to the episode one, and wow, is it ever low energy? It's pretty funny, actually, if you go back. You know, not go back. Stay tuned. It's coming on. But uh, it reminded me a lot of Good Morning Vietnam, the, the movie, except not Adrian Cronauer, was more so the other guy. Please, if you've lost your bag, describe the contents of the bag as all bags look alike. That was kind of the vibe I had going then. Uh, <clears throat> I like to think I've done better now, I've, I've improved, but who knows? And then at the very end, instead of my, my tagline, get out there and make better photos, 
get out there and make some pictures? Wow. That's terrible. The funny thing about episode two, listening back, is that I didn't realize that we had not established the the opening yet. The hello and welcome to episode blah blah blah, the two hosers photo show. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't really know how to start the show back then, so we just kind of walked into it. So I think ever since then, we have a pretty standard opening, and uh, it's just kind of funny to hear that. At least at the end of the episode, I do say make some better photos. So we're getting there, getting closer to what you know uh, the show is today. Um, also, in note in this episode, episode two, we still haven't started the weekly challenge photos yet. That doesn't come along until episode eight. So without further ado, here is the first two episodes of the Two Hosers Photo Show. Hello and welcome to episode one of Two Hosers Photo Show. The Two Hosers Photo Show. The. I might start that again because that wasn't as funny as I thought it would be. <laughs> no, just <laughs> You can just... Oh, okay, yeah, you should probably restart now. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Two Hosers Photo Show. This is the show where two hosers from Canada will help you figure out how to use your camera a little bit better. My name is Alan Attridge. I'm a professional photographer slash videographer from Vancouver, Canada, and I live currently in Tübingen, Germany. And over here we have Adam. Go ahead and say hello, Adam. Hello, my name is Adam Schwartz, and I am actually a physical therapist, or depending on what part of the world you're from, a physiotherapist uh, living in Vancouver, Canada. And I am, uh, I believe, an amateur uh, photo enthusiast who has, uh, in the last year, taken up digital SLR photography and uh, just generally psyched about talking about it. How long have you been shooting with your DSLR? Just, uh, just over a year. I bought my first DSLR Last year, just before Christmas, I was particularly keen on uh, getting a new camera for the Christmas season so I could grab a ton of pictures uh, of my two young children. That's the other thing. I'm a a dad of two young children, uh, Sarah and Jack. Sarah, who is almost four, and Jack was almost two. So my leap into digital SLR photography was primarily uh, devoted to taking better pictures of my children. And so... If you look at the pictures you're taking now, it's, to my to my eye, and I've known you for a long time, but I, I, I would never guess that you'd only been taking them for a year. That's why I say advanced amateur, because unlike most people, you seem to graduate out of the automatic settings pretty quickly, Yep. which is kind of the purpose of this show. We want to get you away from using that big green pumpkin. Is that That's what it is on the... Which camera do you have? I have the uh, Canon uh, XS, the Rebel XS. And it is, uh, yes, it is a green square is the uh, auto setting. Right. I think it's probably pretty similar on the Nikon or the Sony or or any other camera. I'm not going to name all of the cameras. I happen to shoot with a Canon myself and uh, a Canon 5D Mark II. And I also have a Canon 40D, which I've had for about three years now. And... uh, so that's that's my frame of reference is from the Canon side of things, but it equally applies to the Nikon, and we'll do our best to 
Nikon or Nikon? I've heard both. Nikon. Yeah, man, Nikon. People say Nikon here, here in Germany. So, why did you buy a digital SLR? Um, I think my my primary interest was in creating uh, pictures where I could get a depth of field that I felt I could not achieve from my point and shoot pictures. And the, the absolutely, pre- yeah, the previous Canon that I had, which was like I guess considered an ultra zoom uh it point and shoot i mean there's certainly manual settings i could control to some degree but i think uh the aperture only went as low as uh 3.5 and even with it uh zoomed out and at a 3.5 i still couldn't create much of a, a background blur and so that's primarily what i wanted i wanted to be able to create that and also have a little bit more flexibility uh with the interchangeable lens factor too so the big main reason for new parents to get a a digital slr i find is something called shutter lag is that with the point and shoot you get all ready to take your picture you push the push the shutter down now it has to focus and there's that you know maybe it's probably down to one second or less now yeah uh the, the delay but there is that delay, and now by the time you snap the, the picture, your kids have run off and they're doing something else now. So the digital SLR is almost instantaneous, so now we, we eliminate that shutter lag. Yeah, but for me, I mean, from the point-and-shoot cameras that I had, and I've probably been taking you know point-and-shoot pictures, and I was on my third point-and-shoot camera before I got to the SLR, I had no concept whatsoever of what shutter speed was and what aperture was and what ISO was. I didn't know any of that until I basically started reading through the manual for my digital SLR. I basically stuck it on auto and uh, was good to go. And so, you know, basically when I, when I got the SLR, SLR, the terminology and all these various parameters, um, it seemed, it seemed useless to just put it on the auto because it could do so much more. Absolutely. And and this is where I feel like I had an advantage because I learned on an old Canon film camera with no automatic features whatsoever, an old Canon FTB. And everything was there physically. You could see how the shutter speed affected things. You could you, you could physically turn and, and on the lens and, and change the F stop. And so you, it, these things all made sense in a physical in a physical sense versus the point and shoot camera where everything's done for you. So what what would you, what would you say is the big challenge of a brand new? You take the digital SLR to the box; it's your first one. What's the big challenge with getting to, to start using it? Uh, I think uh, because of coming from the the point and shoot background, I pretty much you know kept it uh, on uh, on auto and just didn't uh, didn't didn't feel comfortable necessarily getting away from the auto settings, thinking that. Uh, potentially I was going to miss a good moment not having uh, the settings uh, properly aligned. So when I took the SLR out, I mean, of course, my initial uh, response was to quickly set it to auto and then just snap away. And I found, you know, much better results on auto settings of the SLR versus the uh, the point shoot. But still, I it was, I think, the intimidation factor that I was concerned about. And uh, so I started quickly reading through the manual, but still pretty easy to get lost considering uh, all the new parameters and terminology that uh, gets thrown at you. Intimidation, that, that's, uh, that's, the word, that's, the, that's the key word there. It is extremely intimidating, I, even, even for myself, to the point that I got my first paid gig before I had ever used a digital SLR camera. 
Uh, and uh, I got I got a phone call, honest to God, from Major League Baseball, and they wanted someone to come out and uh, shoot some still photos of the American League MVP, Justin Morneau. And I said, yeah, sure, I can do it, because, of course, you don't pass up a job like that just because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and so I went and rented a Canon, I think it was a 20D with a flash, and I went out and decided, well... I'm sure I'll figure out how to use this thing in the next 15 minutes. <laughs> and uh, I did. I fired off a whole. I, I did the complete. Uh, a lot of the it was not automatic because I'd never used that flash before. I just it was in over my head. Yeah. And uh, but I, I found it then. I found it very intimidating. And I come from that background. Uh, there's a lot of settings on that on the digital cameras. And so. Most people, I, I would say, how, what, what percentage would you suggest of, of your shooters? Like, I would say as high as 90% shoot on the full automatic settings. Yeah, I would so agree, yeah. So, that's the purpose of this show, is to quit doing that. We would like to build confidence in everybody, as your confidence was built rather quickly, that yes, you can do this. You, you can shoot on... on manual settings and get great results, even better than the automatic. Definitely. So that's the plan. That's the plan for this show. So before we get to there about what, what digital digital SLR photography is, let's talk for a quick minute about uh, what is a camera. A camera is very, very simple. A camera is, is nothing more than a light-tight box designed designed to keep light off of the, in this case, a sensor. It used to be the film, but now to keep light off the sensor until you tell it otherwise. That's all it is. Once we once we accept that that's what our digital camera is doing, our life is going to be a lot easier. Um, now, how how do we do that? Well, we're going to to let light in. We have to determine how much light comes in over what period of time and how sensitive and all these things. That's where it gets very intimidating and confusing. But over the course of the show, we're going to break these down into bite-sized pieces. And hopefully it'll make a, make a lot of sense, and uh, you're going to take better pictures. We're going to try to keep these shows relatively short. Um, so let's say next episode, we're going to start with ISO, explain all about what ISO means, and uh, we'll, we'll basically the, 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 the goal here is to break everything down into bite-sized pieces so that we can, we can build on what we learn and execute and hopefully practice from week to week and build up an, a, a strong knowledge base so you're very familiar with your camera and what's physically going on so you can get out there and take great pictures because that's the whole purpose. The whole purpose of taking pictures is to capture these wonderful moments and, and, make, and make great art or whatever it is that you want to do, but it's not about spouting off what uh, f-stop you shot it at at some party, <laughs> which... P.S. Good party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's if you're going to parties where you're talking about f-stops, give me a call because that sounds that sounds like Motley Crue would be there. <laughs> okay, now that we got all that pesky photo stuff out of the way, uh, <laughs> we're going to take the opportunity to explain the name of the show, the Two Hosers. Now, if you're living north of the 49th, uh, like Adam is, yes, uh, Adam Vancouver, is Canada. 
Adam Adam lives in Vancouver, Canada. I'm from Vancouver, Canada, so uh, that's why the two hosers and hosers is an affectionate name uh, for Canadians. Made popular by Bob and Doug McKenzie, a popular Bob Great White North uh, show on a television comedy series called SCTV. But there is the, yeah, the movie. This, the movie I think that more people are familiar with, potentially outside of Canada, maybe a few Americans, is the movie Strange Brew, which was a full feature length movie starring uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie. Bob and Doug, Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. Yes. Not of Wendy's fame. <laughs> Different Dave Thomas. Uh, so that's where we picked up the name from. I don't know if anyone has said the word hoser about a Canadian in uh, 20 years. <laughs> so we're going to call this a renaissance. And uh, we're going to try to repopularize the phrase. So anyways... Stay tuned for the Two Hosers photo show as they come out on a weekly basis. And as we're, just before we go, I want to give a quick tip, quick photo tip as a takeaway. Uh, got anything for us? What's, a, what's one tip that you'd recommend that new, new digital shooters use? Um, well, when shooting children, I think my primary uh, uh, points of interest when it comes to digital photography are my to children when shooting children and you wish them to look at the photographer it's easiest to get them to look if you lie to them and uh, tell them that uh, there's something on daddy's head and get it off and you have to say it in a very panic state and usually they will look very quickly and the funny thing about it is you can usually get them to do it repeatedly because they still believe my children are young enough that uh, you know, they don't want to miss it this time if there is some strange animal residing on top of daddy's head. So what's on daddy's head? Good tip for parents shooting small children. Great photo tip. Lie to your children. Actually, that sounds like it's going to work. I've heard just in a furtherance of that, if if you happen to have one of these cameras that have the pull-out screen with the, the flip-around LCD, a lot of kids, believe it or not, like to look at themselves. So if you point that LCD screen forward so they can see themselves, uh, another good tip. Oh. But the snake on daddy's head, I think that's way, way more effective. <laughs> Coming to the end of the first episode of Two Hosers Photo Show, you can uh, check out my personal website at alanattridge.com, A-L-L-A-N-A-T-T-R-I-T-G-E.com. And for to see more of Adam's work, where can we find you, Adam? Uh, my wife has a blog called The Schwartz Chronicles, and I, you can find it at the Schwartz Chronicles, uh, blogspot. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, tune in next week for episode two of the Two Holders Photo Show. And until then, get out there and make some pictures. Welcome to whoa, 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 whoa. What? what about the one, two, three uh, sinking? Oh, too late for that. We started. Okay.
is Adam Schwartz, everybody. Uh, Adam, you, you know him from the Two Hosers Photo Show, which I'm going <laughs> to welcome you to another episode of Welcome, Bienvenue. Hello. Herzlich willkommen. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> I feel like we covered that with Bienvenue. <laughs> I only know bonjour and hello. That's it. Bonjour and hello. Okay. Guten Tag. Good day. Uh, yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Hosers Photo Show. My name is Alan Attridge. I have Adam Schwartz on the line. Hello. Adam is currently in Vancouver, Canada. I'm in tubing in Germany, and we're using the magic of Skype. To bring yet another episode of the Two Hosers Photo Show. So we're available now at twohosers.com. So, Adam, you want to tell the funny story behind uh, that website? Well, it uh, was a tough job grabbing the Two Hosers Photo Show uh, name because apparently there's a lot of hosers out there that would all like to share the same name. So, first, uh, our plan was to go with threehosers.com. But apparently that one was taken, so we had to drop a hoser from the hoser show, and we were left with twohosers.com. So, sorry, Mike, uh, you are not invited back for this episode. We had to go with only two hosers. Mike's a horrible photographer anyway, so <laughs> I don't think the show is missing anything, and, you know, we're just able to move a lot faster now. I was actually excited that two hosers was available. I, I I don't know what I was, what I was expecting, but um, but I had the option of two T W O, which we went with, or just to confuse everybody out there, there was the number two hosers, and uh, I opted not to go for that number that one. What about T O O two hosers? Oh, I didn't check that. <laughs> oh man, we we may have a branding issue. <laughs> two, yeah, and in French, a two a two hosers. <laughs> Oh no, we we may have to rethink this. Both both hosers. Yeah. No, we're gonna stick with two hosers for now. TWO hosers dot com. So anyway, the show here it's uh, the show is about getting you to use your camera better. Now I'm not an English major, but I think that is terrible terrible grammar. Using your camera better. Using your camera well. Yes, but they're using it poorly now. Using your camera Weller? Weller. <laughs> Peter Weller from RoboCop. <laughs> I see where you're going. Okay, fair enough. No, I think uh, the analogy, and that's what this show is going to be all about, is I'm going to try to think of a real-world analogy for every possible situation, photo-wise. So that's what uh, the analogy of buying a digital SLR. Now, I'm sure you went through this, too. Because you're married, I'm married, and when it came time to buy the digital SLR, you had a point-and-shoot. You had a nice 4 or 6 or 115 megapixel point-and-shoot camera. Yep. And you explained to your wife that, you know, I, I think I really need a, uh, a DSLR. She didn't think you did. <laughs> but you told her, no, if I get a DSLR, I'll learn how to take, you know, really nice professional-looking pictures of the kids. That's so, what it's Pictures of the kids, babe. That's what I said. Absolutely. So you basically, you said to your mom, no, if I get a dog, I'll walk it. 
don't worry, I, I, I'll take, I'll feed it, and I'll clean up after it. And then after two days, you don't. <laughs> and then they take the dog out to the farm, which, P.S., isn't really a farm, and your childhood is ruined. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it happened with my childhood. Well, that's what you've done with your, your camera. You've promised, oh, I'll, t- I'll learn how to take some really good pictures, and then you put it on auto, and that's that. Three years later, you're snapping away on, on auto, which is giving you good results, but let's be honest, you, you, you feel a little bit ashamed that you haven't uh, taken a headfirst dive into those manual settings. And I'm here to tell you, yeah, you should be ashamed. I agree. Be very ashamed. Now, did your parents shoot your dog? Or did I they believe just... he's still on the farm, Adam. <laughs> okay. 30 years later. <laughs> Because just the way you left that story, I mean, it seemed a little open-ended, and I thought maybe your parents shot your dog, and that's why your childhood yeah. was ruined. I got to make a phone call. <laughs> uh, I had a buddy whose parents shot his dog in a dumpster in front of him. So when you started that story, somehow I thought that's where you were going. Was his name Travis? <laughs> no, it wasn't Travis. It was Mike. I was, but Mike, that's why he's not in the show anymore. Yeah, it was a little Sorry, bit Mike. of a downer. A little bit of a downer. <laughs> You're really dragging us down here. <laughs> well, I feel bad about the dog. I should have used a cat analogy. But anyways, that's what you've done. And, and hey, guess what? A lot of people are doing that. A lot of people are bringing the camera home. And uh, essentially what you've done is you've bought yourself a nice Porsche and with an automatic transmission. I like that. And you, That's good. You wouldn't drive a Porsche with an automatic transmission. I wouldn't drive you a wheel Porsche. Out, <laughs> <laughs> you wheel out onto the Autobahn, and you're going to do 12 miles an hour in the left lane with your blinker on. That's crazy. So do you have, you, you have your camera with you? Uh, no. Oh, my. This is a photo show, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize. I oh, actually, I do have the cameras close by. Why is it necessary? Well, I'm gonna. Don't worry. I'm just gonna phone Mike and get him back on the line. You might be. <laughs> I'm just looking at my old older camera. I shoot currently with a Canon 5D Mark II, which has a lot fewer uh, automatic settings. There are they still have some, but not quite as many. It, it, they assume that you're going to be shooting in a pro manner. But I have an older, quote-unquote, prosumer camera uh, is my Canon 40D. And I'm just looking at the top right now of the dial with all the different settings on it. And I've never actually seen most of these before. I never bothered to use them when I got the camera. But I'm looking, and there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 different settings just on the top. We've got... Uh, what what do you have on top of yours? I'll, we, we can we can wait while you grab yours if you want to grab your camera. Sure, I will grab my camera. Just for a okay, I'm back. I've got my camera. What would you like to know about it? Ah, uh, never mind. <laughs> what uh, on the top on your top dial is the on the left or the right wherever they put it on that camera. Yeah, the right. How many different options do you have there? Uh. 12, 12 options. 12, that seems like a lot. Yeah. Uh, how many do you use? Uh, I think I'd probably say three. 
<laughs> that sounds about right. I think I use I also I use two, but yeah, that's I've got one that looks like a little uh a no lightning bolt sign. Okay. I don't have Do you have that? that? Nope. I'm assuming that means no flash. I don't know what else happens. I've got a little guy with a star next to him. Uh, do you have that? Uh, maybe my eyesight's not good enough to see that, but I also do not see that. All right. What do you have? Let's go Let's go a different direction here. I have uh, the typical M, the AV, the TV, the P, the green auto, and then a few like that are pictures. So there's a picture of a face. There's a picture of a flower. There's a picture of a guy running. And then there's two symbols that I cannot identify. Perfect. Those are clearly the ones that you, you're going to shoot with. Yeah. The ones that you, you can't even identify the symbol. And then there's a, there's an A DEP. A slash DEP. I have that as well. Yeah. So all you listener at home are probably riveted. Point being. <laughs> There's an awful lot of settings here that uh, probably mostly do similar things. I think one of them is a night setting, so it tells you to basically have the show, the the show, the slow shutter speed. I'm guessing the guy running is some sort of an athletic endeavor. Yeah, yeah it is the action button. Okay, I have a mountain. Do you have the mountain? Yeah, I have a mountain. I didn't know what that I'm was. I'm guessing that means. Landscape, Nature. yeah, landscape, I think. So on top of that, you got you got your 12 different settings. Inside the camera, you've got, I don't even, don't even know how many different picture settings you have. Uh, it's, an, it's quite a lot. And then you also have a zoom lens that comes with your camera, generally. That's a lot of variables for the new guy. So I completely understand why you just put it on that green pumpkin and fire away. It makes total sense to me, but we're going to try to fix that. So what's the first step? What, what's the first manual setting that you started shooting in? Do you remember? Uh, probably the AV mode or aperture priority mode. Which is what I highly recommend. Probably what I recommended. I'm not sure. Yeah, it is. That's why I started with it. For today, before we get moving, before we, we get too deep into it, I would recommend that the new guy who's shooting on the green pumpkin change it over to P. And this is just a temporary temporary fix. Like Eventually, once we get into it, a few more episodes and your confidence level gets up, we'll get out of P. But P is a pretty good transition. Now, P stands for? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't really know either, actually. Not portrait mode. Nope. It's not professional mode. P program. It stands for program, which, again, means nothing. <laughs> so it should stand for just shoot in this for a week until you're comfortable with your camera. And then move on, but that's a little wordy to put on that dial. Yeah. So what program mode essentially is going to do is, well, before we get into that, let's talk about what makes an exposure. Now, the long, complicated story, the short, complicated story about what makes an exposure is we have the exposure triangle. 
We have three things that determine your exposure. We have shutter speed, we have aperture, and we have ISO. And we'll get into explaining all of those, but for now, what program mode does is it strikes a nice balance between ISO and aperture for you. Both It picks both values sort of in the middle of the road and makes sure that you can get a decent exposure. Make sense? Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds a little complicated, but I promise you we'll get into it and then we'll move away from program mode. But what program mode will allow us to do is we can control the other parameters without the camera doing it for us. Which means in any of the automatic settings, or most of the automatic settings, you don't really control when the flash pops up. Right. It sort of does it on its own. And, uh, well, what are your thoughts on, on the, the built-in camera flash? It's too bright oftentimes, and the light is very unforgiving, unflattering. And it's designed that way because they want to sell you uh, the much larger flashes. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, it actually works not bad in a pinch, but like most people, I'm not a big fan of the pop-up flash. So, if we set this to program mode, to P mode, I think it's P on the Nikon as well, or the Nikon, we went over that last week, it will basically handle everything for us except for the flash, which we won't need, and it will allow us to manually set our ISO, or ISO. Uh, a lot of people call it ISO, I call it ISO, I don't know who's right. <laughs> Probably me. Yeah. Uh, so, Adam, what what is what is ISO? Basically, the sensitivity of the sensor to light, from my understanding. I don't That's know what exactly it stands right. for. I would assume it stands for something. Give it a go. Give it. Give it a. Give it a. Give it a shot. No idea. Okay, International Standards Organization. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense to do a sensitivity of light. <laughs> well, it it goes across. Actually, you'll you'll I think I think you'll see ISO ac across many different products. And it, it used to be back in the day. Uh, tell us some more, Grandpa. <laughs> um, back in the day, when in the film days, we used to deal with something called ASA in North America, which was essentially the same thing. ASA and ISO are about the same thing. Except for ASA stood for American Standards Association or something similar. Yeah. And all it was was a standard of how sensitive the film was. So you would remember back then you'd go to, buy, you know, you're going to go on vacation and you're going to buy film. You had a couple choices. Right. And, the, well, back then you could buy, you know, 100 or 200 or 400 film. You probably don't remember the numbers very well. They just told the person... They would ask you at the London Drugs, they would say, hey, are you going to be inside or outside? You told them you're going to be outside, and they would sell you 100 ASA film. And that was that. And life was simple then. Well, now we have it digitally, which actually can make things a little more complicated, but also a whole lot more awesome, being able to dial in a variable ISO. It's fantastic. But essentially what 
in the old film days, I'll try to make it, uh, again, another analogy of what ISO is. It is how sensitive your film is. So the higher the number, if we get up to ISO 1600, the film is very sensitive and very quick to react. And that means we need less light to make a picture. That seems great. The downside is that the picture doesn't look quite as good. Brainy. Now, back, back in the film days, what would end up happening is the grains on the film would essentially be larger and therefore would expose faster. You wouldn't have to expose as many grains. So it would expose much faster, but it would look grainy, of course. In fact, some of your wedding photos probably have a lot of that grain in them because I shot them with the black and white film was 1600 ISO. Yeah. And the color was 3200. I shot 3200 back then. Oh. Which wasn't cheap. Uh, so on the flip side, if you have a much lower ISO, like ISO 100, you get much better pictures, but it requires a lot more light. So far, so good? Yep. Now, in real-world terms, it can be difficult to remember that. When you're out shooting, you don't want to sit and have to think about, okay, lower number, less sensitive, better picture. It gets very confusing. So I always try to explain ISO as if you're trying to fill up a bucket. That's the whole goal here. Not, you're not, not taking a picture, but you're trying to fill up a bucket with water. And if you have a much larger bucket, it takes a lot longer to fill up, but you get more water. On the flip side, a much smaller bucket will fill up way faster, not as much water. That makes sense? Not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm you know I, what? Hey, I'm I'm from a different school of thought. And I say the opposite, which means low light, high ISO. Simple as that. Fair enough. Lots of light, low ISO. You lost me with the bucket analogy. <laughs> okay, let's. I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> let's uh, try another analogy. <laughs> okay. Uh, your parents buy you a dog. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't think the high ISO, uh, low light was that complicated, personally. Well, that's why you're shooting manual, though. Uh, no, I, 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 a lot of people, because, the, because, because of the way the numbers work, especially later on when you start dealing with, with f-stops and how a larger f-stop is a smaller number, right. it does, people do get confused about and and about what ISO physically is that that's what I when I was shooting film it made a lot of sense to me because you could you could see you'd see the difference really quickly. Now, the other analogy I like to use that will be a real world example is that if you're building something out of wood and you're going to sand it down, and if you use sandpaper with a very large grit. 
you're going to be able to sand very quickly. The end result may not be as pretty as you would like, but you'll get the job done. If you use a much finer sandpaper, it will take you much longer to sand, but the final result is going to be awfully pretty. How does that work for you? <laughs> I still don't get how that pertains to the ISO. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ISO 100 requires much more time to make the photo and it'll have a prettier result. Okay, but in terms of how long it takes me to push the button on the camera to create the photo, it doesn't appear as though it takes any more time. No. That's right. Good I'm, point. That's where I'm confused. Well, that's a good point. Okay. Well, everybody else, just trust me for now. <laughs> it's the sandpaper one. <laughs> ISO is like sandpaper. <laughs> when we get into shutter speed and all of that. Okay. It's a good point. If you're not confused um, yet, you will be. No. Adam, tell me how you basically learned what ISO is and how to use it. Well, I saw a blog, and I, I believe it, it was probably yours. I think I've seen a number of examples that I'm a visual learner, showed ISO of the same image taken at ISO 100, ISO 200, 400, and on and on, 800, 1600, in the exact same lighting conditions, and saw that in a low light, if you shoot with an ISO of 100, you got a very dimly lit picture. And that as you went up and increased the ISO, with every other issue being constant, you got a greater and greater light source with the higher ISO. And like you mentioned, as the ISO went up, you also got a grainier image. So you could make the picture out a lot better at ISO 1600, but at the same time, that was a much grainier image. So basically, I, I learned it visually just by looking at examples. Well, why didn't you mention that before I started? <laughs> because that was my blog post, and uh, which I think we will provide a link to that, by the way. Uh, once twohosers.com is up and running completely and not just populated with pictures of myself, <laughs> we will provide links to the, the blog. And that's that's where this all started. That's where the, just to backtrack a little bit, I started writing a blog a few years ago because my friends were asking me, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? And so I thought, well, I'll try to explain everything. And ISO was usually where I start. That's why this episode, the first real episode of, of this is starting with ISO is because when I go to shoot, that's the first parameter that I establish. And it's to the point where I know almost exactly which ISO I need to be shooting at in any given situation. When I walk out at noon on Tuesday, which P.S. don't shoot at noon on any day if you can avoid it, but if you walk out at noon on Tuesday on a sunny day, you know right away you're shooting at ISO 100. Oh. If you're at someone's party, you're probably going to start at 1600. And so, essentially, you, you want to get so comfortable that you don't even have to think about what ISO to shoot at. You know, okay, this situation dictates 800. Yeah. So, 
That's why we started with ISO, because that's the first thing I set before I move on to anything else and decide on, on any of the other parameters. So that's a good point with the with the all other everything else being equal about how to how to know which ISO to shoot. Now part of what I was trying to get across, and Adam's right, I don't tell my wife I admit it to being wrong. <laughs> Adam's right. Um Keeping it simple in this situation and just explaining that, yes, it's more light, less light required. What are some of the trade-offs? What do you give up with? Tell me here, why wouldn't you always shoot at a, at a high ISO then? If you need less light and it's much in low-light situations, why wouldn't you always shoot at 1600? Because like you mentioned earlier, you're getting... A grainier image so the image itself isn't as good at ISO 1600 as it is at ISO 100 so it's the sacrifice of getting more light into the camera you get an, a, a less appealing image okay good point wrong okay <laughs> no that's exactly right <laughs> that, that's exactly right and as we go on you'll find out that um, I you'll you figure out that photography really is oftentimes about compromise. About what do I have to give up in order to get something in return? You know, I want a greater depth of field. What does that mean to shutter speed? And I promise we'll right. go into all of that, but ISO is the situation where, okay, you're at, you're at a party, you have no choice but to shoot at ISO 1600, and that means you're going to get grainy pictures of the party. Oh, well. Is ISO clear to everybody listening? I think so. I think it's it's fairly clear. And But I think in support of a lot of people's learning, and since we are talking about photography, which is a very visual entity, I think you're always better served to, to see examples. I think examples are the key. So as easy as it is to, to talk about it and paint the word picture that you have so aptly painted, I think the information will be much better understood to see uh, visual examples. And, you know, you can go to your blog to check that out. In fact, I'm going to take it one step further, and I'm going to go and reshoot a new series of photos just for this, just for this episode to illustrate the point that Adam made. Uh, I also promise you that in future episodes, you'll understand my sandpaper slash bucket of water analogy when it comes to shutter speed. But for now, I'm going to I'm going to shoot four. I think four. Four would do it. One hundred, four hundred. Yeah. Eight hundred. Yeah. And we'll see the difference about about what happens. So that's how that's the first variable we're going to deal with is ISO. So once you hear this, what I would like for you to do is set your camera to the P mode, your pro program mode. We decided it was called. Yep. And now you can dial in whatever ISO you want. Now you can, I think you can probably set it on auto, depending on which camera you're using, but don't do that. For now, just set it on P, dial the ISO into whatever you feel like. I don't care what it is, if it's 100 and you're shooting in the dark, I don't care. Just go out and shoot with it. Go out and fail. Do not be afraid to fail. I think a lot of the what 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 would you say would be the reason that people shoot 
are hesitant to move to manual. They're afraid to fail. Okay, so I was no, just I no just idea. checking to see if you were listening, and uh, <laughs> yes, you were. No, I, I think a lot of people, from what I hear it, people say to me, is that uh, they want to shoot on, on the manual, but they're afraid of missing something. Yeah. And I will submit, when your kid, these days, by the time your kid is six weeks old, you have more pictures of it <laughs> than your parents had before you graduated. <laughs> it's very true. So you're not missing anything. Okay, you are missing some things. I'm not suggesting to go out and just leave it on manual and snap snap the automatic settings off of your camera. They're great, they're great to have in a pinch, and you want to sh still shoot some. But when next time you go to the park and you already have 18 images of your kid on the swing, flip it over to program mode and start failing with that for a while. And it won't be long before you start unfailing. Once again, for the eight... Eighth time. Which which camera are you shooting with, Adam? I'm shooting on the Canon Rebel XS. XS. Now, for the record, if anyone asks me currently, as of today, Tuesday, January the something, 18th maybe, and although still technically 17th over here, still technically yeah. Monday for Adam. Yeah. We're nine hours ahead here in Germany. Little little lesson for all you people out there. Nine hours ahead. Um, I do, as of today, I do tell people who ask me or are looking to buy their first digital SLR camera, that's the camera I tell them to buy. That's the advice I give them. The XS? The XS. Still. Uh, extra awesome. Extra awesome. That's what the XS stands for. Excess. Never thought of it that way. For the, for the money, it is an unbelievable camera. And uh, it does everything you want it to do, except for the only thing is, how many megapixels does it have? 10.1. That's it? That's it. How do you make any decent picture with, with only 10 megapixels? I'm still waiting to make my first. <laughs> uh, say goodnight, Gracie. Uh <laughs> For $148, you can buy a 14-megapixel point-and-shoot, though. Is that true? It's very true. Wow. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I don't really keep up with that. I, I stopped. That leads me into the, the point I was trying to make, is 10 megapixels is plenty. I stopped paying attention to the megapixel race. <laughs> Count. Count. Well, it became this race over over. Well, you need to get this this many mil. You you only have six megapixels. Oh, you need eight. You need eight at least eight to make. You don't. We have a friend who who's still shooting shooting with his old uh, old shooting with his Nikon D forty D forty forty D D forty. Note to camera makers: you could change up the wording a little bit. Okay. One's a D40, one's a 40D. Yeah, we're not going to mix those up. Thanks. Uh, yeah, he still he shoots with his D40, which is a 6-megapixel camera, and the pictures look great. So megapixels, I'm, I actually stopped paying attention. Uh, 
because I'm tired of it. We're good now. Just end it. Move on to something else. I'm not the first person to, to rant about this. To tell you know, tell the camera, tell the camera. I'll tell the camera makers. Pick something else to get better at because anything north of six, you're good. But the 14 megapixel point and shoot for 148 bucks comes in eight different colors. I was not aware of that. Yeah. What are some? So there's that. What are some of those colors? I think there's pink and green, the silver, gold, and I think there's a blue as well. Was that six or? I'm not eight? sure. So you you technically, I mean, you you would need to buy more than one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think you just need choice. Who who makes that camera? I think uh, I think Canon and Nikon both have. I, Samsung. I think there's a. They're all competing for the same thirteen year old girl market. I see. Lisa says her school is populated with them. Really? Uh, huh. Don't really have my finger on the pulse of the thirteen year old girl market. Way to be current, Grandpa. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah lol that is so 2010 we don't say that anymore the thing with the megapixels here here's where megapixels and megapixel count really comes into play is the part that this is the part of photography that i cannot stand is the upsell you go into the name your store almost every store does this you go in looking to buy your basic camera, and, oh, well, that one only has 10 megapixels. Perhaps you need 14 megapixels. Perhaps you need 18 megapixels. Perhaps, oh, that, that, that camera doesn't have the video setting or this or that or whatever it is that you're probably not going to use anyway. Don't fall for it. I, they do it at the, at the, the movie theater, too. They, they have the eight. The eight ounce Coca Cola for nineteen dollars, <laughs> and they have the forty ounce Coca Cola for twenty dollars. You think, well, geez, what for the extra dollar? I may as well get diabetes. It's only a dollar more. That's their move with the cameras, but you don't need a quadraphonic blaupunk, do you? You just need a ten megapixel camera. You probably don't need a UV filter on the front of your 50mm 1.8 lens. The lens costs $100 and the filter costs 105 <laughs> Wait a second. That's a, whole no that's a whole nother episode, though. Should we use a filter or not a filter or, or a lens hood? But that's episode 14. So... <laughs> I'm not going to skip ahead. For now, what I'm telling you, don't fall for the upsell. That's where they make all their money. The upsell on the... Or, or my other favorite one. Do you know the other favorite upsell? No. Extended warranty. Oh, yes. Never get burned on the extended warranty. Never, ever. That's the equivalent of them telling you, look, this thing's a piece of crap, and uh, it's probably <laughs> going to die within the next... 18 months do you want to but want to want to bet that it does <laughs> i don't want to bet that it does 
if it does, I'm going to come back here and smash it on your counter. How's that for extended warranty? <laughs> so yes, I'd never, I can't remember the last time I bought the extended warranty on anything. I've, I've never used one. I've absolutely never had a use for one. No, no. But you are, you are $300 lighter on a couple purchases. So that works out well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I I may have used it on my Apple Care at one time, but a little secret for you: if you play your cards right, you can get a lot of stuff fixed out of warranty. Not just with Apple, with a lot of people. If if you if you know what you're doing, again, that's episode 21. So sit tight. <laughs> sit tight. I, I, we're doing a little foreshadowing here. We want to keep it simple. So the takeaways from today are. What was the takeaway, Adam? ISO can be simplified to mean that it is to do with how sensitive the sensor on your camera is with light. Low light, you need a higher ISO, but you sacrifice a little bit of image quality and get a grainier image at a higher ISO. And in a well-lit situation, you will get great pictures with a lower ISO number. And Al is going to post pictures on his blog of a sandpaper and a bucket to illustrate this point. Sandpaper, a bucket of sandpaper. <laughs> a bucket of sandpaper. Wow, that just that's making it just confusing to me now. What? How does ISO affect shutter speed and aperture? Real quick. Are we really going? No, we're not going. That's the point. I don't care. Adam is telling you. To go and set your camera to program mode, mess around with the ISO, different settings in the same situation, go out there and fail, hopefully succeed on a few of the shots, but just get out there and experiment and have fun with it. Now, Adam, where can we find you? I am currently the staff photographer on my wife's blog, which is Schwartz Chronicles, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z, Chronicles at blogspot.com. Zed, we say Zed in Canada. It's Z in America, just as a heads up. You can find me at alnatridge.com. That's my personal site. And you can find both of us at our new website at twohosers.com. T-W-O, hosers. So until next time, get out there and make some better photos. (laughs) 